0: Welcome back to Hell, where we talk about terrible people and terrible situations, both worthy of going to hell. I'm your host, Lainey. And I'm your host, Jordan. All right. Hello. Nice to um, be recording with you once more, Jordan. Hey, I miss you. No, you didn't. You're you're a liar. What? I appreciate being lied to. Okay, one, hurtful
1: because I have missed your face. And two, <laughs> seeing your face is so different from talking to each other over text. I'm just going to point that out as friendships, okay? There's two enjoyments, texting, talking, <laughs> and seeing your face. So,
0: offended. <laughs> offended. Offended. Well, I... I, I Good Be offended then. I was going to say, <laughs> leave,
1: leave yourself speechless because of that.
0: <laughs> well, hello to our lovely, lovely listeners. We're so glad to be having you open up your ears and giving us a listen and trying us out to those who uh, maybe haven't listened to us before. So welcome to hell, the most gnarly, spicy, and dreadful place there ever was.
1: Yes, this is like one of the most... Saddest places you will find on the internet.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um saddest places on the internet, but you know what's another sad place? A place where we live. Oh. And that is the state of Texas. Oh. Gonna- and in true f- <laughs> and in true fashion, I really just wanna kinda just give a big old middle finger to Greg Abbott. Yep. I have that, too. You cannot see it, but picture it mighty and strong. A big old giant middle finger to that man. Wow. Um, I'm sure many of you know that women's reproductive rights are kind of being stripped from us Um, in the state of Texas. uh, I am very much pro-choice. That is one of my very, 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 very strong passions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And I just kind of wanted to mention to all of our Houston listeners that there is going to be a protest at Discovery Green, October 2nd from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. So come out, show out, I think it's it's an organized event. I think it's gonna be on the Women's March page if it's not already. Um, but there's marches all over the place that are gonna take place on October 2nd. So I strongly encourage that if this is something you are also passionate about, go out there, and support we need numbers like we will not be silenced and my dog is like yes yes, yes. get out there and march you just heard him he supported me <laughs> he yelling he he was <laughs> like mama's talking the
1: truth right now he's
0: like preach sister preach. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean i can go into a very deep rabbit hole and a tangent about just profanity profanity greg abbott profanity profanity but you, pro-lifers but go look if for you, yourself if you – this is my whole argument. I mean, not my whole argument, but this is um, – if you're sitting there I'm like, I'm pro-life, but, like, I believe that everyone should make their own decisions when it comes to their body. Newsflash. Newsflash. You are pro-choice. That is exactly what pro-choice is. Just because someone is pro-choice does not mean that they're like, yes, abortion. Every I'm going to just ab- abort all the, all the babies. No, that's not what it is. It's your right to choose what you want to do with the – parasite that is growing inside of your body so let's not handmaid's tale this <laughs> um we're i'm not clapping in kindly
1: in the background um i also would like to put slash baby as well because you know some do some don't you could it's a choice so
0: yeah but i mean like we are a host body you know what i mean and that's I mean and then if I I mean if I get pregnant like we'll probably keep it you know what i'm yeah. saying like when we're married we're financially like pretty stable and everything um just because your choice does not mean you're you're anti baby that's not that's not what it is that is you know?
1: so well said i could, wow just very well said Jared please an like a huge crowd of applause somewhere in this <laughs> hey. Right, so just there there's that information out there. Um please 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 if you if you want to know more about this, this is something that um maybe you, you're not like immersed in, like we are immersed since we live here. Uh yeah. look at the bill, look at um just kind of what's going on and
0: uh you'll kind of see why it makes us feel
1: a certain things. type of way.
0: Yeah. But it's called the Heartbeat Bill. So do some research, educate yourself, um, create your own opinions. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. Just yeah. do do some research and don't just listen to whatever Aunt Karen has to say on Facebook. <laughs> uh and you know, with horrible situations, I
1: think I think I'm ready to hear the horrible situation, this hellish tale that Laney is telling me today.
0: For sure. And so it's kind of, I don't want to say ironic, but, you know, <laughs> my story kind of revolves around the Catholic Church this week, I guess. <gasps> really? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. And so, I mean, uh, just Catholic Church is historically, obviously, like pro-life and, and all these things and has nothing to do with any of that. It's just kind of, you know, there's just some some ties, you know, but... um. I got this story off of TikTok, and it was like this, like little, like one minute video. I know I get all my stories off of TikTok. But I was about to say I that. <laughs> I don't get my research off of TikTok. I just want to clarify that. You I get your my ideas. own research. I just say videos that, like, oh, that's an interesting idea, or oh, like I didn't know about that. Let me do some more research on it. So I came across a TikTok about Pope Pius the Twelfth. Okay. Okay. I think that's what XII means. Pretty sure we didn't learn Roman numerals. Um we should because they're Right. So. And make
1: everything look cooler.
0: Right. I wish we did. That would have been awesome. So yes, twelve. XII. So twelve. So this is a story about Pope Pius the Twelfth. And um I thought it was just gonna be about one situation. Mm. And the more research I did, I was like, oh. Mm. there's way more situations revolving Pope Pius. So mm. I want to start by saying that I got my research from medium.com, an article written by Sandia Ganesh, obviously Wikipedia um, Pope Pius the 12th at Weebly.com. Y a D V a S H uh, E M.org perspectives.org hnn.us. There was a documentary on YouTube called, what did the Pope know about the Holocaust and JNS.org. So obviously those resources kind of give it away of kind of what we're talking about. Um, yes, but bear with me. I thought this was just a science experiment gone wrong. That's no. what the TikTok was about. But I found out that that is only partly true. And bear with me as I'm kind of going to skip around and things will intertwine. This was a lot of research that I was trying to do. Obviously, I didn't cover every single thing as this is revolved around kind of World War Two. And boy, oh boy, did a lot of stuff happen during World War Two.
1: Yeah, we sometimes we can't be like Tolkien and have like a book for each little background character, you know?
0: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. But just know I tried. I really did. Yeah. Um, This story kind of exhausted me a little bit. But Forgive me if I get facts wrong. I promise I questioned everything and researched the research that I got. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't for the lack of trying. But with further ado, let us begin. Popes are wacky, so. Oh, yes. So this is a story about Pope Pius. This is a story about a girl named Lucky. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. So this is a story about Pope Pius XII. Um, there's going to be a brief honor- honorable mention of Gerhard Regner, Regner, um, lots of German names, forgive me. I try to look at pronunciation on it and that's how the pronunciation bot said to say it. So if I pronounce it wrong, take it up with the pronunciation bot. Okay. So Pope the XII, Gerhard Regner, and a sprinkle of World War II. There's going to be some funky verbiage that's thrown around there and so i just want you to know what these words mean because i didn't know what they mean i wasn't raised catholic so they were all new vocabulary words to me so the first word i want to define is the word papal and so this word will be used a lot and it is by definition an adjective that means in relating to a pope or the uh, papacy so the papacy, which you're probably like, I don't know what the papacy is, but the okay. papacy is basically the office or authority of the Pope. So those two words are going to be kind of sprinkled a little bit everywhere. So office mo- and relations. Got it. Mm-hmm. So the more you know, uh, let's go. So we'll start out the story with Pope Pius XII and we'll end our story with Pope Pius XII. So bear with me. <laughs> like I'm saying, this story is, is a lot. Okay, so Eugenio Maria Giesp Giovanni Pacelli was born March second of eighteen seventy six to a well known Catholic family. Um, I'm not going to go too in depth about his life. Um, basically, his family worked in the Catholic Church in some way. One even found the uh, I think the Vatican newspaper. Um, I'll just do like a little, like a brief history on the Pope. It's just kind of I mean it's just poppy. Priesty stuff. It's a little repetitive and and a little boring, um, but I'm gonna skip. And uh, Pope Pius was elected Pope on March 2nd, 1939, on his 63rd birthday. So the new pope had been papal secretary of state. He chose the name Pius out of respect and affection for Pius XI, Mm -hmm. and his coronation took place on March 12th. Yeah. So as you can see um, by the dates, this is World War II kind of territory, right? Yeah. So World War II. So during the pope's reign, obviously World War II is going on. We don't directly hear of what is going on in Rome during this time, so this is going to just be like somewhat brief, but it is important to note the role that the Vatican had during the Holocaust, as this time is met with some controversy and contradictions from article to article. One article is in bold letters saying Pope Pius was a good guy, and another is like, nah, he failed to speak out against Nazism. So on July 20th, 1933, the Concord dot. It's a nice big old German word, I believe. Um, It was signed. And this basically was the integral part of the four concordats Paselli concluded on behalf of the Vatican with German states. Okay. So big words, kind of doesn't really know what that means. Um, The state concordats were necessary because the German Federalists Uh, Constitution gave the German states authority in the area of education and culture and thus diminished the authority of the churches in these areas. And this was a primary concern of the Vatican. So if you have no idea what that means, I'll break it down for you. In short, it allowed Hitler to increase his power in Germany without opposition from the Catholic Church in return for the latter being allowed to run its schools and youth movement without interference.
1: Okay. Yeah. I was just about to say is like, is that is yeah, that would be cause for concern a bit for, sure. for them.
0: For sure. But they're just like, okay, like, but this is before, like, obviously World War Two got big, you know, wow. so I guess this they probably the were probably like, oh, part. I don't know. Yeah. So see how that could be seen as pretty controversial. Yeah. So on September 18th, 1943, so about 10 years later, uh, what is called an armistice, again sorry about pronunciation um but this was with italy so that is basically a treaty between opposing sides so like this treaty was signed basically saying you leave me alone i'll leave you alone we won't interfere you won't interfere bada bing bada boom we're done mm-hmm. so later i'm gonna skip to like sometime in the last like 25 years so there was a lot of controversy surrounding Pope Pius, and so they went back into the archives and pulled like documentation out to see if he did try to interfere with the Holocaust mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and what he did to kind of support the Jews at this time. So these archives were later opened after Pope Pius' death, and it was proven that Pope Pius XII uh, purposely stayed quiet on October 16th, 1943 as Pope 1259 of rome's jews were rounded up by the gestapo and deported to auschwitz he could have saved them but he did not so it is scandalous a, yeah and then it's proven that it's, it's proven that that happened there's no like pot like maybe maybe not you know like no that happened and he he did nothing on September 21st, 1945, the Secretary General of the World Jewish Congress, a man named Leon Kobowitsky, asked Pope Pius XII to issue a public declaration denouncing anti-Semitism. He said, We will consider it. Um
1: The dude's asking for something pretty reasonable. And uh yeah,
0: just don't you know, speak you know, out you know, like, speak just, speak out against hate, right? Yeah, just say say no. Say no. Say no the Catholic Church will not stand for hate. And he said, we will consider it. You're gonna consider it. And in it. the end, and in the end, he did not consider it because <laughs> he did nothing. Um, so good guy Pope Pius over here, right? So on March 10th, 1946, the chief rabbi of Palestine, a rabbi Isaac. Herzog asked Pope Pius XII to help in locating the missing orphans of the Holocaust who were in the homes of Catholic families. The Pope responded by calling it a rather delicate problem. Missing children <laughs> is
1: delicate. Okay. So we said considered and we when we're
0: using words like delicate. Okay. Yeah. So I'm assuming that he's so tit-toeing. obviously like children were taken from their families in in protection because it's easier to like take the kids away then it would be the adults you know and of course as as a parent you would be like save my kid you know that's that's my priority like if i die i die but but save my baby right yeah and so and then i'm assuming like after they were like okay let's locate the family you know what i mean like let's just re uh what's the word let's i cannot think today reunite um, Reun- thank you thank you you're welcome let's reunite the families and he was like that's that's pretty delicate like, <laughs> okay bro <laughs> so- i would
1: love to see my son and then he's
0: like "Ah." Uh, so it's just it's a little delicate it's a little it's a and then little there's dainty. a grieving
1: mother uh, okay Sure. Well,
0: probably I'm I'm gonna assume that probably most of the parents, Spike probably got murdered because that's what it was. It was a murder, a mass murder, a genocide. So, but probably like other family members or whatnot, or maybe just kind of just keeping track of like who survived, who did it, what families survived. And he was just like, Oh, that's that's delicate. And there's no excuse for that. Like this is a very bad situation, and there is a right and a wrong side of history. I don't know how anybody can see the mass murder of humans and be like they might possibly be on the right side of history like there's no way that anybody can see that I don't I don't I don't care you know but so people on the side of the Pope always point to the thousands of Jews that were rescued by the Catholic institutions in Rome and across Europe. So they they did they did do some help. I'm not I'm not going to lie. Um, they say that in the post-war years, prominent Jewish figures expressed gratitude to the Vatican for their endeavors, and even a forest was planted in Israel in memory of uh, Pope Pius on his death in 1958. They argue that the controversy was only stirred up when Rolf. Hockuth's play the representative appeared in 1963 and we'll get back to that at the end I want to just like a brief mention that and uh, this play basically accused the pope of complicity with Nazism and was motivated motivated by the fear of Bolshevik threat sweeping across Europe which put a pin in that like I said we'll get back to that play you see how these words are hard. Like there's just V's and K's just mm-hmm. thrown in there. So those on the opposing side stating that the Pope had failed like the people, they point to the failure to condemn the Holocaust or Nazism. So like I said, and before, like the Pope never was like, this is wrong. You know, he, he never did that. There were no explicit references to Jewish suffering from the Pope in the years of the war church efforts on behalf of the Jews and the occupied countries were basically contingent on local initiative and basically who the um these people called the nuncio were. And a nuncio is a high ranking papal um ambassador to a foreign court or government. And so these nuncios may or may not have been sympathetic. So do you see the problem? So where they were it would some people some of these nuncios may be like holocaust bad and some of the nuncios may be like holocaust is okay you know so it was based basically how these ambassadors were feeling and then that it's it's i don't know It's like influences
1: like basically yeah yeah
0: so it was only in the late 1944, that the Vatican responded adequately in helping to uh, forestall the deportation of Jews of Hungary. And throughout the war, the Vatican appeared indifferent to the horrors perpetrated by a Catholic government in Croatia. So, again, just to kind of recap this, the Catholic Church basically was pretty neutral. They would help those nuncios who were pro-Holocaust, and they would help the nuncios that were anti-Holocaust, just based on where they were located. So back to the Pope was on the good side. If the Pope was on team Nazi, he would have disapproved of the rescue of thousands of Jews during the Holocaust, and there would have closed institutions for places of shelter. However, this is often criticized as a sheer number is claimed to have been exaggerated However, however, the saving of some lives is important than leading Jews' extended gratitude to the Catholic Church. So uh, this is, again, the side of um, Pope was a good guy, you know, and he helped out. Like, yes, he did save thousands of Jews. Like, that is indisputable. Yes, he absolutely did. However, the number that they claim that he saved is often exaggerated. Hmm. So... And like I said, like before, like prominent Jewish figures, they did extend their gratitude to the Pope. and again, you can't like any in how saving any lives is is a is a life saved, you know but I guess I think many people just see how much of an influence the Catholic Church has, yeah, you know, and the money that it has, the resources that they have, and they didn't do enough mm-hmm. um I I I wonder if it's also because it's a different religion. Obviously, Judaism and Catholicism are two separate religions. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if that played a part. Um, Yeah. I think it really boils down
1: because like, so at the beginning of the episode, remember when you were like, I'm doing one about the Catholic Church and I went, really? And I squealed. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just because I find the institution fascinating. It's very, Mm -hmm. very fascinating. Okay. Um, And what I didn't know before I got into this fascination is that like there are these councilmen's and as Lainey has said, there's like these hierarchies and you can easily see uh, the similarity in our own government infrastructure here in the United States. So like... It's politics. It's, the Catholic Church is politics. It's politics. It's completely politics. So it's it's. I I feel that peop the people that were in these positions of power um definitely had personal input it seems. Like there's, mm-hmm. you know, uh I I feel like in that situation, you know, it's it's on those people and maybe I don't know. It just it's just it's because it's always shifting, which each each generation keep going. People, um, they vote on it. You know, Um, if you see the movie, The Two Popes, you'll see like a a really cool film version of it uh, for the Pope's version. But
0: and they stayed mostly neutral because I'm sure it was scary seeing how fast the Germans were just excelling. Yeah. You know, that could that and so could have be been it. really scary and say, like, okay, so if we just stay as neutral as possible and little lend a little aid to this side and lend a little aid to this side, no one can get too mad at us, right? Cuz Hitler took Paris too at one point. Right? He, he took what? He took Paris. I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Oh, then yeah. That's that could also this is be Rome, true. the Vatican's in Rome. Yeah, I know that, but like if you hear
1: that that fast or like you said that fast organization mm-hmm, that settling mm-hmm. military like mm-hmm. becoming this military power and they're just like, oh, by the way, Paris has been taken by Hitler.
0: That's I, scary. That's a huge city. I could see the councilmen be like, well, we could be next. Yeah. So back to the bad side. Um, so there was a man. uh, named how I mentioned above there is a man named uh, Gerhard Regner mm-hmm. and so he manned the office of the World Jewish Congress in Geneva during the war years and conveys information about the holocaust to the allies so the good side apparently he was closer to the Vatican than the Jewish figures whom pious supporters tend to cite and this is according to the org. um so i believe that he spoke out multiple times so this whole situation is very frustrating, and so just for like a time reference, this was Hitler was coming to power, but this was before the con- like the, before the concentration camps, basically. So the I don't know; it's before the height of. I I believe so. Um, so I really feel bad for Gerhardt because he was literally trying his best, and no one would listen to him. So in August of 1942, he got wind that Nazi Germany had planned to enter Europe's um, or to he he got wind that Nazi Germany had a plan to gather Europe's Jews in the east and then murder them there and attempted to send a telegram to a Jewish leader, Rabbi Stephen Wise, explaining this. So he was like there and he was seeing them getting gathered up and he he knew, you know, he had yeah, the dots. Insight. are connecting and he's yeah, like the dots are connecting. He's hindsight. like, oh snap, this is not good. Like, this yeah. is not good. It's not just racism, you know, at this point. It is gone beyond. This that. is gonna be a murder. The- this is not good. And so he sends this telegram like warning them and be like, hey, like, just so you know, like this is happening, like something needs to be done. Uh however, this telegram was intercepted by Paul Culberston. And he was the assistant chief of the division of European affairs. And he decided not to forward the message on to the rabbi Mm. as the rumor could not be confirmed. So they kind of got it and they're like, "Mm, I don't know, you know, like there's no way that this could happen. Do we send it over and uh, cause mass panic or what? And so they just decided Nah, nah, it's good, okay? So the U.S. State Department considered the telegram just a wild rumor fueled by Jewish anxieties while the British Foreign Office didn't forward the telegram for some time. The rabbi did end up getting this telegram. However, he got it a month later. Oh, my God. And what is very important about this this silly little telegram, okay, that this was the first official communication about the planned Holocaust. I was
1: going to say, I... I... The fact that he's like, hey, like, I think there's gonna be a mass murder, like, writing that out and someone stating, I think this is going on. Like, this is gonna be a thing.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm speechless. I'm speechless. Yes.
1: Oh and my so God.
0: that was the first time it was like, I think a mass genocide is being planned. And they kind of just, which I understand why. They would think it would just be like a silly rumor because it's so absurd, you know. Yeah. And plus, if it's if it's just okay, I
1: hate how the choice went, but I see kind of why, because if just one telegram, who is this big official, just sent that, okay, and I and you and you, you haven't really heard this rumor it's
0: it's crazy it's like, just
1: it's, insane it's very outside the realm of what you think is possible and y- you mass panic
0: everybody and knows you don't want it to be true like you if i got that telegram i'd be like there's no way there's yeah. no way
1: yeah so like them being putting that to the side like i get it but in hindsight it's like a face pump and it
0: it could have changed history change if- so much absolutely um but again i think the biggest issue with the catholic church during this time is that they were pretty neutral during world war ii and that again i i get why you're neutral but there's clearly a a, a bad guy side
1: mm-hmm. and
0: i think being neutral is just as bad as being on the bad guy side honestly
1: yeah not saying anything is worse you know
0: for sure um but during his papacy the church issued the. De- so during his papacy, the church issued the decree against communism declaring that Catholics who profess communist doctrine are to be excommunicated from the Christian faith. So that's just kind of like the last thing that happened. Um, I'm not gonna go more into the Holocaust because that's rabbit hole. An 18 parter episode, and there's so much that went into the Holocaust, but I just kind of wanted everyone to get the runaround picture of how Pope Pius the Twelfth failed during the Holocaust. You know, mm-hmm. he failed his people. He failed humankind. That's just my opinion. Uh, again, it's politics, so I understand. I really mm-hmm. do. However, looking back, it's like, come on. So now we skip to the finale of Pope Pius the Twelfth. Yes, he dies. Newsflash, shocker. What? right so during pope pius's reign as a pretentious pretentious title, <laughs> it's so pretentious being the pope um, prestigious title of head of the catholic church he appointed an italian physician a man named riccardo gala galesi, a man named Ricardo galesi lisi as the Archiatra Pontifico, meaning the chief physician. Again, I apologize for all my butchering of these words. I'm speaking a little Italian today. I'm speaking a little German today. I'm sorry. I can barely speak English today.
1: (laughs) I think I know the ending.
0: Okay, okay. I'm. What do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen?
1: Is this the guy that wanted to like be preserved naturally?
0: Bingo. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Let me get into it. Let me get into it. Get into okay. it. So. I love this. <laughs> Ricardo um, was an esteemed member of the International Society for the History of Medicine. So, so he has a pretty good resume, you know. Uh-huh. And so that's why Pope Pius decides to basically make him his uh, chief physician for yeah. himself. Like, you are the physician for the Pope. Okay. That is a protect. Pre- I'm just gonna keep saying pretentious because I mean I would feel a little pretentious walking around saying that I was the chief physician to the Pope of the Catholic Church. I put it on name tag. <laughs> so the Pope contracted a disease called ischemia. Okay. And this is a restriction in blood supply to the tissues, causing a short of us short of. I'm really struggling speaking today. I'm so sorry. It's okay. <laughs> okay. So, the Pope contracted ischemia, which is a restriction in blood supply to tissues, causing a shortage of oxygen that is needed for cellular metabolism, which means to keep the tissues alive. So, ischemia is generally caused by problems with blood vessels, which give damage to or dysfunction of tissue, hypoxia, and microvascular dysfunction. So, fancy, fancy physician words and... I don't have a biology degree. It sounds like his
1: flesh was like rotting off.
0: There's pictures online, and I just saw one picture when I was trying to look up the pronunciation, and it is like a foot. And it looks like the foot is, it looks like frostbite a little bit to mm-hmm. me, you know, talking about when things start going like black. Mm-hmm. I, so there's no oxygen getting there. So, like, your skin can't, it's your skin's an organ, you know, and if there's mm-hmm. no oxygen getting to that, I mean, I don't know how that works, but you get what I mean. So at this time, the Pope considered what is called an abdication mm-hmm. in the late 1954, which is a term for formally relinquishing monarchical authority because of a long illness mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. he had been battling with. So Pius found it increasingly difficult to perform his popely duties and his work habits became noticeable when he would begin to avoid long ceremonies and canonizations. And that's basically your job, right? You mm-hmm. are the pope. So because he was becoming increasingly more and more ill, he also found it difficult to chastise subordinates and appointees. So if you remember, Ricardo was appointed as his physician. Well, even though at this time Ricardo's services were no longer wanted, he still kept his title and this gave him access to the Papel apartments, which he would sneak in. Well, I guess not even sneak in because he could be there, but he would take pictures of the dying Pope and then sell them to French magazines.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that would make sense.
0: So sometime in 1954, Pius underwent a course of cellular rejuvenation treatment, which caused the Pope to get gravely ill and caused side effects of hallucinations. Um, These hallucinations followed him to the last years of his life. And a quote from that time stated that these years were also plagued by horrific nightmares. Pacelli's blood-curdling screams could be heard throughout the Popal Mm. apartments. Obviously, the Pope was very ill and needed assistance due to his frequent absences from his work. He came to depend on some of his close colleagues, um, Domenico Tardini, his speechwriter, Robert Labor. Um, And I just wanted to make a side note that I never thought of Pope's having or needing a speechwriter. Yeah. So when I came across that, I found that interesting i mean it makes complete sense like mm-hmm. a thousand percent it makes complete sense but i i honestly thought like god spoke through them or something oh no so. no no
1: like at their meetings they totally have to like like especially if it's like a pope traveling somewhere to like to like talk political for sure, stuff. Yeah. For
0: sure. i don't know why i <laughs> again it's politics so what yeah, do i yeah, expect yeah. and um Another one of his close colleagues was his long-serving housekeeper muse and lifelong companion for 40 years, Sister Pasqualina Leinert, um, And they were very close. The last day of Pope Pius XII's life are as follows. On October 5th, 1958, in Castle Gandolfo, the Pope suffered painful complications. However, he continued to attempt his duties between moments of rest. On October 6th, 1958, doctors came by the house to pump his stomach. However, he lost consciousness and he was given his last rites. When he awoke later, the nuns opened the door to the papal chapel so he could hear them praying the rosary. Mm. On October 7th, Pope Pius twelfth appeared to be doing better and received visitors that day. When they opened the window in the evening, he was said to have looked out into the stars and quietly said, look how beautiful, how great is our Lord. October 8th, His temperature rose steadily and breathing became difficult. And then at 3.52 a.m. October 9th, 1958, Pope Pius XII smiled and lowered his head and died quietly. Cause of death was recorded as acute heart failure. Hmm. So the Virgin Mary's praise of the Lord was done for him in Latin. His doctor... Um, Gaspinini said afterwards, the Holy Father did not die because of any specific illness. He was just completely exhausted. He was overworked beyond limit. His heart was healthy. His lungs were good. He could have lived for another 20 years had he spared himself. I don't know if I believe that, but that's what was said. Um, he was old. Yeah. To inform the media regarding the death time of the Pope, remember how our little friend Ricardo, he was a little weasel. Mm-hmm. So he told the like, the journalists that when the Pope dies, because again, he had access to the um, papal apartments, he said that he'll open the window as an indication of the Pope dying and the specific time. But... And unsuspecting nun actually opened the window due to sweltering heat. And so it was actually publicized that the Pope had perished a day before his actual demise. So that's what you get, Ricardo the Weasel. Now, this is where the first story that I found on TikTok comes into play. So, yeah, okay. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. So you think that'd be the end of it? The Pope had a long run. He mm-hmm. lived through the Holocaust. He did or didn't help Jews. Okay, and you think that he would have suffered enough, right? Mm-hmm. But no. Mm-hmm. So we bring back our friend the weasel, Ricardo. Um, yes, the one who would take pictures of the dying Pope and sell them to the French. Remember, I think that's a big um. A big no no. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's back and reported that the Pope's body was embalmed in the room where he died using a novel process. I don't know about you, but I don't want anything done to me that could be described as novel. Just saying. And so, this process was invented by Orest Newsy. Again, probably not pronouncing that right. But the Pope Pius Twelfth, he did not want the vital organs removed from his body. Mm-hmm. And so he demanded when he passed away um, that his body be kept in the same condition in which God created it. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So apparently this was the reason for the novel embalming technique. And yes. according to Ricardo, he described this process in great detail to the press. And he claimed to have used the same system of oils and res- <sighs> resins, which um, the body of Jesus Christ was preserved. Sure. So his claims didn't stop there. He also asserted that this new and revolutionary process would, and I quote, preserve the body indefinitely in its natural state. However, I guess they didn't take into consideration the intense heat of Castle Gandolfo. So he with his Naples embalmer, Professor um, he they coated the pope with oils and then they wrapped him tightly with cellophane tape oh my god he assumed that by the end the body would be properly preserved Mm -hmm. and sweet smelling (laughs) i don't know if i want anybody to be sweet smelling so basically the opposite happened due to the blockage of air by the cellophane the chemical reactions in the body started to build up causing um decomposition Ricardo tried embalming it the second time, but alas, in vain. The body during the procession from Castle Gandolfo to Rome started decomposing right in front of the audience. Oh, my God. (laughs) The Pope's chest imploded, his nose and fingers fell off, and his body turned emerald green. Yeah, there are reports of people who who were there that said that
1: at first, when the procession was going, they were like, "The Pope kind of looks green. Like, do you, do you guys see how like green he is?" And they're like, "Yeah." And then it, he kept getting greener. Like, he's the original alphabet. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and like literally, people hurled.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so as a result, the body decomposed rapidly and the viewing of the faithful had to be terminated abruptly. Yeah. Um, Ricardo reported that the heat in the halls where the body of the late Pope lay, um, it caused chemical reactions, which required it to be treated twice after the original preparation. Oh, the stench God. was so putrid that few of the um, stoic swish guards, they fainted and they had to be on rotation to a bade the smell it was bad it was imagine it, imagine like that is so disgusting but ricardo uh, wasn't really punished for what he did but he ended up being exiled from the vatican city for trying to give away sensitive information to the media so they probably couldn't he's the only guy to be exiled from is he yep I believe it. I believe it. But so he he didn't really get punished for the embalming, like the botched embalming. But they were like, um, he's a jerk, so we're gonna exile exile him for the information to the media because that's yeah. pretty private. uh so and this what? No, it's just like you go to the funeral for the pope, and he explodes, <laughs> and then he explodes. <laughs> Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That's and people it. are vomiting, and they're like, "We gotta shut this down." And then, <laughs> and then, like, Swiss guards are like vomiting everywhere. It's like that um Family Guy episode where they drink like, <laughs> <was it Epictac? laughs> or I can't remember. And they're just like, bleh, bleh, and like, <laughs> everywhere. And then, like, the, the Swiss guards are throwing up. The other priest is throwing up. Ricardo's oh my gosh. throwing yeah. up. Yeah. Oh my gosh! No, that's Audience totally. Audience members are throwing up. Like. <laughs> Wow, what a way to be remembered. Oh, my Jesus gosh. said, no, that is not the way my body was preserved. <laughs> oh, um, I love that you th- did this. <laughs> <laughs> and i and i'm probably botching it and i'm really sorry. i don't know much about the catholic church and i thought it was just going to be one little story about an exploding pope and it turned into a lot more. and i wanted to kind of just give a brief overview of how the catholic church probably could have done better during this time. Um, i love it. i think
1: you you know what? like i never knew that guy was already there. like when i i had i had heard about that story uh, 2 years ago and i was like mm-hmm what i said that is gross but i didn't it was it was a topic i shuffled away so i only Mm -hmm. had briefly looked into it and i'm like i it's fascinating you know that guy was already part like had been hired and was like and put in charge of that like
0: yeah and i think it's interesting that he his duties were or his like services were no longer needed like up top and Mm -hmm. then he came back and did the embalming i wonder if the pope wanted him to do the embalming or if he was the only one who would do the natural embalming i wonder how that 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 could he seems like a sleazeball so wouldn't surprise me if he tricked him some type of way but something funny when i was doing my research i just wanted. To like kind of pinpoint that out there, I clicked on a link and I, I got like one of those like error 404 pages, you okay. know? So it's like, couldn't it be found? And it said, St. Anthony, St. Anthony, please come around. Something is lost and needs to be found. <laughs> <laughs> so on this like church website, their error 404 page says that. And I don't know much, like I said, I don't know much about the Catholic religion, but I'm assuming St. Anthony is like the saint of lost items or something. Oh my gosh. So remember how I said, put a pen in the play? Yeah. So in many instances across my research, many reported that the controversy surrounding Pope Pius XII did not come about until a play called The Deputy, or in other translations, The Representative, was released. Mm -hmm. So this play was written by Rolf Hochhuth Hochhuth in 1963, and it portrayed Pope Pius XII as having failed to take action or speak out against the Holocaust, It has been translated into more than 20 languages. The play's implicit censor of a vulnerable, if controversial, Pope has led to numerous counterattacks of which one of the latest is in 2007, um, an allegation that Rolf was the dupe of disinformation campaign. Mm -hmm. And the Encyclopedia Britannica assesses the play as a drama that presented a critical, unhistorical picture of Pius XII. Um, and the depiction of the Pope having been indifferent to the Nazi genocide as lacking credible substantiation. So that's the whole thing with everything. It's like, was he a good guy? Was he a bad guy? I I don't think that he was necessarily a bad guy,
1: mm-hmm.
0: if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he just happened to be the Pope during a awful time yes and he tried to do the best he could and i can understand not wanting to get involved so i get it Mm -hmm. i probably would get involved because again there's like a clear right side of history and a clear wrong Mm -hmm. side of history but i guess when you're dealing with that and you have people to look after you have your whole religion to look after they're not coming after you because you are catholics so i get it but yeah, so I'm interested in learning more about um, the deputy slash the representative to kind of see how it really depicts mm-hmm. the Pope. But that, that's the roundabout story of Pope Pius XII. um I missed some things. I'm sure I messed up pronunciation. I was a little scatterbrained during this. But when I'm telling you, when I was doing my research, I would do like a little bit of research. I'm like, and then that happened. I know. And then I have to go down a rabbit hole of that, and I'm like, and then that happened. Like finding out about that telegram and everything was life changing. That was life changing to me. That could have changed the whole trajectory of the Holocaust if that was taken seriously. Yeah, but. Yeah. Interested to hearing everyone else's opinions and what side they're on. Do they believe Pope Pius XII was the good guy? Do they believe he was a bad guy? I don't think there is really any right or wrong answers. Um, A lot of the websites that I found, though, I do want to kind of give a biased disclaimer. Um, There was a lot of like Jewish websites Mm -hmm. and they mostly depicted him as not having done enough, which they have every right to believe that. Yeah. Um, but I did go on a couple websites as well that were side good guy for Popeye. So, I just want to be very clear on that. Um, it's a matter of opinion, honestly. But Yeah, I can't believe you did the exploding Pope story. That that was wild.
1: You threw me this whole story just threw me for a loop. And then when you started describing the end, I was like, "Wait, wait, there's only one pope that I know of.
0: <laughs> yeah, that exploded. Yeah. Uh, but he exploded. Made my
1: day, Laney, in a weird, grotesque way. Sorry, fans, I'm not meaning. It's just weird, you know?
0: Yeah, exploding. I don't know what would possess someone to like, I just imagine people that are like in pyramid schemes selling Ricardo. <laughs> Essential oils. I'm like, this cures everything. Great for embalming, great for nausea, great for heartburn. And then the exploding pope gets out, and they're like, but did I mention great for lathering the body for embalming?
1: For your enemies.
0: Right. And then wrapping them in cellophane. Mr. Cellophane has a whole new meaning now to me. I don't know why anyone would think that would be okay, especially like a a a she a a sheaf sheaf a sheaf a sheaf a sheaf, a sheaf, a a sheaf a sheaf physician. But yeah, that's the story of the exploding exploding pope. Oh, so so interested to hear everyone else's opinions and whatnot. If there's anything I left out, please feel free. If there's any pronunciation that I messed up on, please correct me because I'm always willing to learn. Um, I am fluent in one language and that is American. So, even with my little pronunciation tips that I've written in the research, I still mess up. So, be be patient with me.
1: Uh, if you I want to talk about this with people, I still can't believe she did this. So, go check out our Instagram page Hellbound History and let's talk about it in
0: the comments and us, yeah DMs,
1: just talk to us i like i need a fangirl with somebody over this
0: <laughs>
1: just a little yeah.
0: and then leave us a like and a review because it matters and share us with your friends we're always taking new suggestions on always topics. so please feel free to send us anything like i'm serious anything yes but yeah we want to just thank you guys for listening and i hope to see you guys at the march on october 2nd at discovery green in houston so see come you guys out, support, later and yeah be kind to yourself be kind to others and don't wrap yourself up in cellophane with essential oils rubbed all over your body you'll explode bye guys see you next week <laughs>